Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. How we do today, church? <laughs> um, hey, I am so excited to be, able to, uh, to be able to talk to you today in week two of our Awake series. I am so excited about this. First of all, I got to get this out there, and I want to give you permission today. This is, I know this is the rowdier service, right? So if you hear some, I need, I need complete interaction with you guys, okay? So if you're hearing something, you're like, brother, that was for me right? And the Lord is, yeah, come on. If the, if the Lord is speaking to you, just shout it out, man. That's cool. I like that, all right? So be like, that's for me, brother. Amen. You know, or whatever you got to do. Whatever you feel awake, feel led to do by the Holy Spirit, okay? So um, I'm so excited to be able to talk to you in this. I feel like uh, I'm just kind of teeing up things for the next couple weeks. That's a baseball analogy. If you didn't know that, that's just, I, I speak baseball language. So that's a teeing, teeing it up. Uh, for Carl in the next couple weeks, and we're going to get into uh, this, uh, this uh, series really talking about revival and what that looks like. But I don't know about you, church. I feel like that God is in the midst of a great awakening right now. A great awakening, okay? I don't know if you, whatever you've seen on mainstream media, that doesn't matter. God is on the move and people are coming to Jesus more and more and more because there's a spiritual hunger right now for truth and righteousness. Anybody in agreement with that? I don't care what you've seen on TV, it don't matter, okay? And we're going to talk for the next uh, few weeks, like I said, I'm kind of going to tee this up, but we're going to talk uh, a little bit more in the next two weeks uh, um, about revival and what this looks like. And church, revival starts right now. It doesn't start later in life. It starts right now, right here with all of us, okay? And I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's, it, I do know this, it's one person at a time. One person at a time, okay? And I don't, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a student you sit to next to in class every single day. Maybe it's a family member, I don't know. But today we're going to talk about building bridges, okay? Building bridges, and how does that relate to revival, how does that relate to revival, okay? I got, a, I got a few pictures. I want to play a game with you guys. I mean, you're not going to get a prize, but you can get like some claps or something. Say, okay, so I want to play a game with you. Uh, anybody name this bridge right here? Yeah, my man. Give this guy a round of applause right here. Brooklyn Bridge, okay? Brooklyn Bridge. This took over 14 years to build. And it started, the construction started back in 1869. At the time, it was the longest bridge in the world, spanning 1.1 miles. And it connects Brooklyn to Manhattan, okay? I got another picture. Anybody tell me what this bridge is? What's that? No. Who said that? Bay Bridge, right? Are you from California? He's like, mm-mm. <laughs> nope. It's okay. Jesus loves Californians too. Okay. My wife's from California and I just give her a hard time about that all the time. She loves Jesus. Um, so it took over a little over three years to build and it started back in 1933. This bridge spans 4.46 miles 
And this bridge also sees a whopping up to 260,000 vehicles per day, per day. And uh, if you guys can see, it's actually a double-decker bridge, which is kind of cool. I've actually been across this bridge. It's really cool. All right. And this one actually connects Oakland to San Francisco, which is uh, pretty cool. So I have one more bridge to show you here. Anybody know what this bridge? Nobody's got this right yet. Nope. Anybody, just tell me this. Anybody know where it is? Florida? Florida? I heard a lot of Floridas. Nope. Nope. No. You guys all lose that game. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm probably going to butcher this name, but it's the Danyang Kunshan, Kunshan Grand Bridge in China. Did I say that right? I, I probably butchered the smokes out of that one. Okay. It's in China. It's the longest bridge in the world, spanning 102.4 miles. Wow. Crazy, right? Took $8.5 billion to build took 10,000 people to build this thing. And so what was really cool about this, an engineer talked about this, he said they split the group up, the 10,000 people, they split them up and they put them on each end and they built the bridge and they met in the middle. And what the engineer said, he said, if it was off for more than a centimeter, that was catastrophic, <laughs> right? Can you imagine going 102 miles, right? And it'd be off by a half a centimeter. <laughs> That's crazy, right? So... But don't we, don't we value bridges in our life, right? I love being able to, you know, anytime I'm thinking about, you know, crossing a bridge, I'm like, man, I'm glad I can get to the other side over there. But today I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this idea of building bridges in our lives. What does that mean for you and I? What does it mean to build bridges in our life? Do we have relationships in our life where we need to build bridges with people? And how does that relate to revival? So... This is the one thing I, I, I really, we really need to, to focus in on right now, okay? Because I don't know if you know this, but this, this world is dying, and there's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people who need Jesus. And that's what we're going to focus today, Jesus. That is it. When building bridges, okay, we have, we have to keep Jesus front and center of everything that we do. And without building bridges to Jesus, there can be no revival, we got to be really super careful about our motives, I think, when we're talking about building bridges. I think we sometimes get in that mind frame, like, well, I'm a Christian, dude. I got, I, got, I got to build bridges with this person. He annoys me, but whatever. You know, I got to build bridges. So we can't have that frame of mind. We, you know what? And I think that if uh, I know this, it's like when you know how good Jesus has been to you and what kind of transformation he can bring to you, all you want to do is tell Jesus. You, all you want to do is speak Jesus and tell people about who he is. And it's not out of obligation. It's because you love him so much and you want to see other people transform. Amen? Come on. So do you know what a, a lot of us here in this room have in common? A lot of us have this in common right now. That this right here, church itself, this was not a part of our lives. There was a, there was a big time in our lives for a lot of us where this wasn't a thing. Right? We wanted no part of church. We wanted no part of a family. And we needed a bridge, didn't we? We needed a bridge. We were the, other, we were the ones on the other side of that bridge. Now, I love being a bridge builder. If you know anything about me, I love just chatting with people. Drives my wife nuts. She's like, we got to go. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to talk. 
okay? Yeah. I love being a bridge builder. There was a time in my life, don't, don't you judge me. There was a time in my life where I, uh, I was a bartender for a long time. I was a bartender. And halfway through my bartending career, I don't know if you call that career, but I was, I was bartending and uh, Jesus radically transformed my life. He saved me. I turned my life back to him. But uh, it's amazing the encounters and the uh, conversations you can have in a bar. Some of my best ministry has happened in a bar, okay? Some of my best ministry has happened there because you'd have amazing people come in, you have great conversations, but there'd be people who come in who are broken. I mean, straight up broken. And they were thirsty and I can give them something to drink. But what's even more cool about that is I can have a conversation with them. And we would build bridges. We would have relationships with these people. And then I'd be able to pray for these people right there in the bar. And everybody's staring at us and we're like, this is what we do, right? This is what we do. So remember this, church. Yeah, come on. Remember this, that you and I were on the other side of that bridge until Jesus. You and I were on the other side of that. But when people are met by Jesus, they are transformed and they are never the same ever again, right? Anybody else there? Anybody else know the goodness of God and was like, I'm never the same because of Jesus? Amen. Only a few of you. That's cool. All right. So I told you we're interacting today. You know, Jesus, uh, when he came into connection with anybody, anytime he connected with anybody, he built bridges. He built bridges all the time. It didn't matter if you were a politician, a religious leader, if you were rich or poor, you were a man or a woman, if you were outcast, he brought value to every single person he came into interaction with. Uh, I want to spend the majority of our time today in a, uh, a scripture that a lot of us know, a story that a lot of us know, but it's a, it's a moment where Jesus has one of the most beautiful connections out of all of scripture, out of all of his, connect, out of all of his interactions, the, one of the most beautiful ones, that's the woman at the well. A lot of us know this story, but I want to unpack just eight verses today. Just eight. Can you guys go there with me? Just eight verses today. So in order, if you were a Jew and you wanted to get to Galilee, right, you would go from Jerusalem to Galilee. If you were a Jew, you wouldn't go right through Samaria. You would go around it because at that time, the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't care for each other. They didn't like each other. They despised each other. As a matter of fact, and they would avoid by going a long route around Samaria to get to Galilee. Church, do you avoid relationships because they're uncomfortable? I do. I do. I'm not proud of it, but I do, right? Do you avoid people because they're different than you? And it's never taking a step forward toward, towards connection. Let me tell you this, if you're not purposely connecting, you're avoiding. It's as simple as that. But Jesus, he goes out of his way for one woman, right? Goes out of his way for one woman. And I see him, and he's early on in his ministry, and he's, he's walking, he's walking, he gets to the border of Samaria, and he goes, hmm, I have a choice here. And his disciples are like, no, 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 man, we, we got to go around, we got to go around, we got to go around. And Jesus says, no, we're not going to do that. It's like when we're driving on the road, you see that big old sign that says, last exit before bridge. And Jesus plows right through that sign. And he goes, I'm building a bridge. Because there's one woman who needed rescuing. So 
I'm going to spend our time today in that, uh, that scripture, that story. If you got your Bibles, turn over to John 4 for me. If you don't know where that is, you got the New Testament, you got Mark, uh, sorry, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, okay? So turn over there. John chapter 4. I've been, I don't know why, I've been reading from the NLT lately just to get a little different perspective. So if you don't have NLT, it's right here for you, okay? Starting in verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Verse 11. Go jump down to verse 11. He says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. You don't have a rope or a bucket. See, Jesus was willing to drink out of the same container with a woman that he shouldn't even been talking to. And there was common ground here. There was common ground that they could both stand on because Jesus was really thirsty. It was the heat of the day, but she had a bucket. And don't you, don't you agree with me? I, I, I think this is so true, okay? Building bridges on common ground is pretty easy, right? Pretty easy. So if, if I know that you love hunting and you love fishing and you love sports, man, we could talk about that all day, right? We could talk about that all day. But if we're avoiding to build bridges with people because they're different than us or they don't see eye to eye with us, that's a problem. And we got to find common ground. And let me tell you, the common ground that we can all stand on, every single one in here in this room and every single person that we come in contact with, the common ground that we can all stand on is Jesus, that we all need him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't fall asleep on me. Come on now. You know, I uh, <laughs> think about my buddy. I think about my buddy, John. John's on staff here. He's our production manager. And he's the guy that comes, he's back here and he plays guitar really, really good, okay? So on the surface... John and I got nothing in common, right? Got nothing in common. I like to watch sports. He likes to sit in his office and be on editing music. I like to hunt. He doesn't like to hunt. <laughs> He's really good musically, right? Even sometimes, like, politically, we don't even see eye to eye on things. And this one I will never, I will never understand for the life of me. The dude doesn't like bacon, I love bacon. I don't care if it sweats on the inside. Some of you are like, oh gosh, it sweats on the inside? <laughs> yes, that's why it's so good. So, but you know what? You know what the, the common ground that John and I can stand on? Is that we both passionately love Jesus. We both passionately love Jesus and we desire others to passionately love Jesus and to be transformed by him. And let me tell you, church, that is the only ground John and I need to stand on. I don't care. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and John's like, he's one of my best friends. I hang out with him all the time. At the church, outside of church. You know, I love coming to work with him every day because we have a common ground to stand on. And uh, I wanted to show you a little video of our outreach team and how they're building bridges and how they're finding common ground to do so. 
So how we build bridges is we do good deeds and we bring the church to the neighborhoods. And so um, during Christmas, we brought a whole truckload into Cottonwood of Christmas presents and the residents that don't speak English there noticed that three women were unloading a truck and came over and assisted us with unpacking the truck. With no conversation whatsoever, they just knew that we needed help. And then also the other day I showed up and our driveway was shoveled and um, the construction worker said, we, show, we know that you show up here every Wednesday and so we wanted to make sure it was done for you guys. You know, we go out all over the place around town and uh, one of the best things I've had and not just with people here in Montrose is uh, just being able to find common ground with someone. Um, one of the ways I've done it is with motorcycles because they're awesome. And I've found that uh, you have an interesting hobby with somebody and um, you can just have open conversation, open dialogue, whether they're millionaires or middle class or whatever it is. Um, I've been up on the top of a mountain with people and they've been asking me, what's the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? And um, honestly, I've prayed with people over Black Canyon prayed with people on top of Engineer Pass, and it's just opened tons and tons of doors. And common ground is a huge thing, and everybody has common ground with somebody, um, whether it's food or family or activities or whatever. Common ground is an awesome way to build bridges with people. Yeah, ain't that cool? That's really cool. You know, our outreach team is doing some amazing, amazing things and just being able to connect with people who are, who, you know, just don't know Jesus or they're far from Jesus or they just, they don't have the means to maybe even get to Jesus, right? They're, so they're building bridges, which is really cool. And I just want to encourage you today, church, that building bridges and finding common ground to do so is a lot easier than you think. It's a lot easier. And we go back to the story of the woman at the well and Jesus and this woman are on common ground. He's thirsty, she's got a bucket. But their ways of living are completely different. So I wanna continue this story back in verse nine. Turn to verse nine for me. Verse nine says this, says the woman was surprised. For Jews have nothing, have, don't have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus said, Jesus said oh, sorry, she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? In today's language, that would translate something like this. Well, you're a Democrat and I'm a Republican. You're a woman, I'm a man. You're a liberal, I'm a conservative. Dude, you're on the wrong side of the fence. What are you doing here? Jesus, I'm an outcast. You're a rabbi. Why are you talking to me? And I love Jesus' response here in verse 10. Go there with me. So gentle, so loving. He says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus is saying here, he says, if you know anything about the history of this woman, she's been taken from and taken from, and people have taken from her. She had five husbands, and the one that she was living with was not her husband. And they were taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. And Jesus says, I'm not here to take anything from you. I'm here to give you something. Do people see the gift of God in you? Do they see it in me? Are you making bridge building easy? 
And I love this. And those four simple words right there. He says, if you only knew, if you only knew that we are different, but yet you need me. If you only knew the joy that comes with community, if you only knew what the joy you have and peace that you have with the relationship with Jesus, if you only knew the intimacy of relationship. Now, church, when we are interacting with people, we have to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ. Yay, right? The main thing is Jesus, and that is it. Because, listen, when we keep Jesus the front and center of our interactions and our people we surround ourselves with, we approach with love, kindness, mercy, compassion, truth, right? Not your truth, but Jesus' truth. And this woman that Jesus interacted with, he brought so much value to her life, so much value. Doesn't it feel good to feel valued? Anybody raise a hand. Does it feel good to feel valued? Yes. Does it feel good to, to, be, to feel important, right? Cool. Only half of you. That's great. Some of you, I don't know what's going on, but hey, you need to feel like it feels good to feel valued and important. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing that just makes me more happy about my job than watching other people do my job, <laughs> right? There's nothing that makes me more happier than wa- just, just me giving important things to my team and saying, go, go, go. And they feel valued. They feel important. I love watching people thrive in leadership roles right? And, and encouraging people when they don't have confidence in themselves. I love watching people feel valued and important. I love helping people get to the other side of their potential that they don't even, they don't even know that they're capable of doing. And Jesus, when he interacted with this woman, he brought such value to her life. And I want to show you something extremely cool here. Jump to verse 28. Because she was valued, she did something pretty amazing here. Verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come, come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And this is what's really cool. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now, it doesn't say how many people were in this village. Maybe there was 10, maybe there's 10,000. I don't know. But the whole village came to see him. Bridge builders give birth to bridge builders, right? Bridge builders give birth to bridge builders. And because Jesus gave so much value to this woman, she became a bridge builder for her entire village. And I want to believe, church. I want to believe so badly. I want, I, I'm... I hope for this, and I want to see it even in my lifetime, that people will come streaming to see a crucified Christ all over the world. People will just come like floods to see who Jesus is. But guess what? It starts with one. It starts with you and I. It starts with you and I. And what's crazy about this, as I, I read this story and I think about this, Jesus accomplished more in that one conversation with this woman than the Jews could in 100 years as their neighboring country. One, one conversation, one bridge that was built. He accomplished more in that one conversation. And bridge building makes the gospel accessible to everyone. 
You never know what bridge building can do for, the, for maybe the whole world or how it can start a revival. You never, ever know. You never know. I want to read from a book today called Evangelism Is. Anybody ever heard this book? Nobody. Okay, that's all right. We're going to read from it. It's titled, a chapter titled, Never Underestimate the Power of One. This is really encouraging to me when I read this. One Samaritan woman testified to her town and many believed in Jesus. One man, Noah, built a boat that saved a human race. One man, Moses, stood up to Pharaoh and delivered the Hebrews from Egypt. One woman, Deborah, delivered Israel from Canaanite oppression. One man, Peter, preached a sermon that led 3,000 people to be saved. One salesman and Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, led a young man named Dwight to Christ. Dwight Moody became a blazing evangelist who it is said led over one million souls to Christ in his lifetime. The evangelist Mordecai Ham came to Charlotte in 1934, and a tall, awkward youth named Billy Graham was converted there at those meetings. According to Billy Graham's staff, as of 1993, more than 2.5 million people stepped forward at his crusades to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Millions of souls, millions of souls can trace their spiritual lineage back to the influence of one man, a simple Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball. Someone said, to the world, you may just be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. To this, we might add, to you, they may be one lost soul, but to God, that might be the soul that can shake the whole world. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that crazy? I mean, just, I love that. And if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what will. Bridge builders give birth to bridge builders. And I want to show you a story today from my buddy Josh. I asked him to record a, uh, it was kind of late in the week, so I was like, dude, you got to get me a video right now. He, his, his, his story came to my mind while, I, while we were doing this. And uh, he's on our production, he serves on our production team. But I want to show you how bridge building potentially saved his life. Go ahead. Hey, Grace, my name's Josh, and I was asked by Eric to share with you a little bit about my story. My story starts with my younger years. Most of my young adult life, I had struggled with an alcohol addiction started when I was about 15 or so, and it never really went away. Alcohol was my way to escape all my pain and my issues. I turned to it when I was sad, angry, discouraged, and it eventually kind of silently took over a part of me and I didn't have much control. I struggled with it all through my 20s and I had quit a couple times and then started back up again. A little over two years ago, I went through a divorce and started drinking pretty heavily through it. This was at the darkest I've ever felt, and I was at complete rock bottom. The alcohol had made me so depressed that I was ready to take myself out and not look back. I would have left behind my two kids and a family who loved me deeply. At that time, my family had been trying to do everything to help 
and my grandma, who had been my biggest godly influence my whole life, had introduced me to Eric. Now, before I had met Eric, I had went to church on and off, and I had always felt something there, but I had never had that full connection that I needed. I didn't have any godly friends that I was around, and I never really chose to follow Christ on my own. I needed help. After talking with Eric, Eric had introduced me to John, and I had joined the production team here at Grace. For the most part, I had start, stopped drinking, and I was starting to see some light. I was still broken, but with help from my family and finally new godly people in my life, I was starting to find the love that I needed that I never knew I was missing. Since then, today I've been serving with Grace almost a year now on the production team, and I've been sober for over a year, and life just keeps getting better. I don't know where I'd be today without all these people in my life who came to help me build this bridge to God that I needed. I am so blessed and thankful. Yeah. Yes. Josh, thanks you for being so courageous to share your story, buddy. Love you, man. Thank you. Church, do you see what bridge building can do? That's just one story. It starts with us, though, church. It starts with you and I. Now, I think about, uh, you know, my time before I was a Christian. I mean, I was a mess, church. Oh, my goodness, I was a mess. You know, I was partying a lot, doing a lot of things that were very ungodly. And uh, Jesus radically changed my life. And I remember as, I, as I'm talking about this, and anytime I'm discouraged by sharing Jesus with people, I have to remember that, you know what? Jesus built a bridge for me. He built a bridge for you. He built a bridge for you to get to God when there was no other way. When he hung up on that cross and he stepped out of that grave, he built that bridge to you. I want to see revival, church. I want to see it. But it starts with us. It starts with one connection. It may not look like a Billy Graham crusade, but it starts with one. Now, I don't know who that person is for you. I have a person in mind. And we're going we're gonna to ask God for that and here in a minute. Just ask God to reveal somebody to you. And you already know who it is. But here it is. We need to start having, be intentional about our relationships. We need to approach with kindness and love. And no matter what the world is telling us and how we need to be so divided on this subject or that subject, guys, we have got to get on common ground with Jesus. Because everyone needs him. Everyone. So what do you do? You build a relationship with somebody. And right now, you already have people in your sphere of influences right now, whether it's your workplaces, your family, your school, right? Maybe even here at church. And you get to know them. Get to know them. Not like, hey, what's your name? That's cool. See you later. No, get to know them. Get to know their story. Because you know what's beautiful? Everyone has a story. It may not look like Josh's, but everyone's got a story. And every story matters to God. Every single person matters to God. So you get to know them. You get to know who they are. You meet with them regularly. 
you, you begin to have this relationship with them. You share common ground wherever you're at. And then maybe you start to ask them, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And guess what? You don't wait. You do it now. You don't go, hey, brother, I'll be praying for you. How, I mean, how do they know that? You pray for them right now. What else do you have to do that is so important that you can't love and care for somebody in that way? And you may get rejected from time to time. You're like, ah, no, I'm good, man, I'm good. Your job is to be obedient. My job is to be obedient to what God is calling us to do and to build bridges with people. We have got to do this, church. So you pray for them, right? Don't send good vibes. That's really weird, right? You know what I'm talking about? And someone's like, brother, I'm sending you good vibes. It's really weird. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> I don't know. But after you pray for them, maybe you invite them to church and, gets, and they get to be part of this. They get to be part of this family. And church, we don't always get it right. We mess up. We're messy Christians. That's just the way it is, right? We're all trying to walk this life together. We're all trying to do the right thing. And you invite them to church because guess what? The woods is not your church. This is church right here. This is church because you need people to come and encourage you and to walk alongside you. And those people who are hurting, those people who don't know who Jesus are, they do not know how badly they need something like this. So you invite them to church and you watch Jesus just trans start to transform their lives. You know, I heard somebody tell me one time, if I have the gift of God and I know what kind of transformation he brings, I know what he's done for my life and what kind of transformation he's brought to my life. I would have to despise and hate somebody not to tell who Jesus is to that person. Think about that. I would have to hate that person to not tell them the goodness of God and what he has to offer them. So when we're interacting with people, church, we have to remember that Jesus went a long way to come find you. He left heaven itself to come chase you down and to give you grace. That's what we've got to do because we have to wake up, church. We have to wake up. This world is dying. Time is getting shorter. It is not getting longer. Our days are numbered. And we never know when we're going to take our last breath. We never know when the ones we love are going to take their last breath. We've done so many stinking funerals here in the last two months. It's insane. We have like one every weekend here. And we never know when it's gone. Do those you love know who Jesus is? Are we helping them? Are we helping them get there? We can't do this without love and we can't do this without seeing value in every single person we come across. Are we building bridges? Or do we have our walls up? You know, I, my wife, she was reading over my sermon on Friday and she goes, you know what? You know what I do, Eric, when, when I'm really struggling with somebody, especially family members, right? <laughs> because we all got that one crazy family member, okay? What do we do, what do I do with that crazy family member? I go, you know what? 
God, how do you see that person? Because I guarantee it is different than the way you and I see them. I guarantee it. It is somebody that Jesus died for. Think about that. Somebody Jesus died for. So are you building bridges? What is your woman at the well story? What is my woman at the well story? What is standing in your way of true connection and true relationship with somebody, true peace, true joy that comes through Christ? Like I said, we're, I'm just kind of teeing this up. Carl's going to get way deeper into revival the next two weeks, so you have to come back. You have to come back because it starts with us, church. Revival doesn't happen without us. And God is asking every single one of you to be a part of it. He's asking you to be his instruments and his tools to, to, to preach to the world. Now, I want to do something here. This has been really cool the last couple services that we've done. In a minute, I'm, I'm going to ask you to hold your hands out like this, okay? Like you're holding a TV, okay? I don't know, maybe I kind of hold like that, but anyway, okay. But I want you to hold your hands out. But there's something that's beautiful about this right here. You don't have to do it right there. I'll tell you when to do it, okay? You might be there for a long time. There's something beautiful about this that says, God, I'm here to receive. What do you have for me? Speak to me. Show me what I'm supposed to do. So why don't we close our eyes right now? And I want you guys to hold out your hands. And we're going to ask God a series of questions here. And I, and I want you to be, first of all, I, I want you to clear your mind, clear your heart right now, get it connected with God. Maybe what you walked in with today, maybe you got an argument with your spouse or something like that, yelled at your kids, I don't know what it is. I want you to hear from God right now. It's a moment just to hear from Him. I want you to ask God to highlight one person in your life. One person that you need to build a bridge with. Ask God, how does he see them? Does he see them broken, hurting? But does he see them as a child of God? Does he love them no matter what? I want you to, if you're struggling right now, you have that person in mind and maybe you've thought about like reaching out to them and you've, you've wanted to, to share Jesus with them, but you feel not equipped to do it. I want you to ask God for courage and strength right now to be a bridge builder. Courage 
and strength. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit. God, I pray that you would give words, strengthen people. I want you to ask this. Ask God to soften their hearts right now. Whoever it is, who's ever on your mind, whoever God highlighted, ask him to soften their heart. To receive all that God wants to give them. I want you to ask God for strategy right now and opportunity. Strategy and opportunity. I'm going to ask God to give you a vision right now. And you need to ask God for a vision. Ask God for a vision of what revival looks like. What does that look like? God is on the move. He's bringing people to him. The last one I want you to ask God is this. God, how do I get ready? How do I get myself ready for an outpouring that you want to do? How do I get my heart ready? What do I need to do, Jesus? Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for visions in this room. God, I pray for the gift of healing. Lord, I pray for the gift of, uh, of tongues. I pray for the gift of just uh, for wisdom and, and discernment, God, and all the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give, Lord. I pray for all those to be released with your people right now, Jesus. God, would you encourage every single person in this room, Lord, first of all, that you love them, you see them, you value them. Father, I pray that you would give them courage, you would give them wisdom and words to put themselves out there boldly, Father, to connect with people, God, to change your kingdom, Lord, to grow your kingdom. Father, we are desperate for revival, Father. We want to we wanna see it so bad. We want to see you doing your work, Lord. It may not look like, like I said, a Billy Graham crusade, God, but maybe it's just a small revival that happens in our home. Lord, give us what we need. We ask, God, desperately for all these things. And it doesn't take standing up here on a stage in front of people to make a difference. The real work begins outside these doors. So we just thank you, God. We thank you ahead of time of what you're doing. God, we thank you for all the unseen things that you're doing in our life. And we give you glory and honor, Father. We can't wait to see 
We cannot wait to see your glory and your power and what you are about to do. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.